Hello, and welcome to episode 211 of Relics of Ore. I'm your host, Grybok, and joining me this evening is my wonderful co-host, Spirit. How are you doing this evening, Spirit? Hey, I'm doing great, actually. That is good. I am also doing great. Just back from a vacation, so I need to get back in the things of podcasting, but also... Oh, thank God you're back. I, uh, I, I, um... I don't know what happened to our opening music. I know I have it somewhere, but I couldn't find it last week, so everyone was treated to the April Fool's piano music instead <laughs> of our usual stuff. That's amazing. I actually didn't catch when the episode went up. I uh, was going to ask you when it did, but uh, that's that's funny. I do have all of that stuff, though, so we'll be back to the regularly scheduled intro and outro music, although I suppose by this point you will have already heard it. But anyway... Uh, this this episode is going to be probably a little bit more of a jumble than normal because we neglected to write any show notes, so we're just sort of doing a YOLO cast. Um, also, we are going to be talking about the rest of the story, breaking with our established pattern of just doing one maps story per episode, because at this point, you sort of spend a lot less time in each map for the story for the remaining points, and the game's been out long enough that it's, uh... I assume that everybody's probably finished it by now, and also we left last episode basically at the end of Act 2 out of 3, so I think we're mostly just gonna talk all of Act 3 tonight, and, you know, maybe maybe touch more in-depth on the maps uh, next episode or something, but uh, when last we left off, we were... Uh, where did we last leave off? <laughs> Uh, we had just spoken to Cormier, and she was like, get, get, get dunked, kid. I was paraphrasing. Um, yeah, but yeah. she left. And then she sent us down to the Riverlands to go uh, look for something related to Vlast, I believe. Oh mm. my god, I have been so excited to, to get to this point in uh, the podcast because, um, I don't know, I just wanted to share this tiny little thing with everyone. Uh, one of the early hearts in the Riverlands has a... There's that mechanic where if you get extra like trophies for a heart or whatever, you can turn them in for small amounts of karma just so they don't go to waste. Um, one of those... You, you can turn in blast crystals for like dust of blast crystals, and then you eat them to get karma. So basically, in Riverlands, we were snorting blast, and no one can tell me otherwise. <laughs> That's... That's incredible. Um, also, snorting crystal powder. Boy, uh, someone remembers the 80s or doesn't. <laughs> um, that's funny. I, I wasn't really paying that close of attention. Uh, also, this is the map where I believe we... I don't remember if we fully discussed it or just sort of alluded to it, but uh, this is the map where if you follow around the NPC children, they're playing uh, Ascension and are going around acting out the three ascension missions from guild wars one which was a big old big old nostalgia trip uh it was really fun especially being outside of one of the locations from guild wars one where you know where you ascend at augury rock mm -hmm. um yeah so i mean just talking about the map on this one i love that detail and i love being able to go back to augury rock and the the functional teleporters you know, I, I don't know why I like that so much, given that we have, you know, waypoints and mounts and whatever, but I just, I really like that detail of bringing back that transportation method, even though it's mm -hmm. not particularly necessary. Uh, yeah, it's kind of funny to, um, 
you know, having come from Gilders, one have that reflection of like, oh, this transporter took me across a small gap that I could have easily jumped. <laughs> and then knowing in Gilders, one that one foot high ledge <laughs> was a significant trek to walk all the way around because we couldn't jump in Gilders, one. Yeah, well, not to that mention that Gilders, one technically had no y axis, so or z axis, however you want to think of it. So things would happen like if people were on a bridge directly above you they were also considered like adjacent to you and so you could mm-hmm. melee attack people from below a bridge because all it checked was like your <laughs> coordinates on the ground uh yeah boy <laughs> boy what a mess um <laughs> but yeah so we don't need that in guild wars 2 but i like that it's still there uh it's a nice little bit of internal consistency mm-hmm. but Anyway, the primary thing that we do this whole map is basically run around in circles, uh, doing hearts, talking to NPCs, and being like, yo, you hear about this lost city? <laughs> and pretty much all of the NPCs are like, how do you lose a city? <laughs> no? <laughs> what? Uh, which is, that was just like my favorite response. It's It sort of exemplified how ridiculous RPGs are sometimes. It's like, mm-hmm. I mean, indeed, how does one lose a city? and how would you expect any random person to know about this thing, much less where it is? Because if they know where it is, it wouldn't be lost anymore. Uh, but yeah, that's you spend most of the map doing that, and then you actually go to the Lost City, whose name I am blanking on right now. Uh, Kesha. Yeah, that's the one. Um, yeah. So what are, your, what are your thoughts on that story instance? Uh, I really liked to have the background sort of behind glass. I thought it was a really interesting sort of development overall. Um, it brings a lot of perspective to what we've been doing with Irene. Um, why, you know, why Tarir was made. Why the Exalted are carrying things out in the way that they were. Um, you know, and it, like thinking back to that mission where... We, ran around, we went around and did a bunch of simulations about helping people with Irene. That's because, you know, they failed to do that with Flask. Like, they failed to socialize him properly. And he ended up really curmudgeonly, like, I guess curmudgeonly is not right, like, bitter and lonely. And he just wasn't, like, very good at being around people because they didn't take care of him properly. And I thought that was quite sad. That's kind of what I was hinting at a couple weeks ago, right? I really like how Vlast got a lot of character development even after he died. I thought that was really, like, a really good... The instance overall was a really good way to, you know, give some more lore about both Vlast and Irene and and the Exalted and move the story forward. So I really liked it overall. Yeah, I thought it was pretty strong, and I liked... um... Correct me if I'm wrong, but our... Are some of the Forge basically corrupted Exalted? Um, or are they just built sort of with the same stuff that built the Exalted in the first place? I think they are mostly built using the same sort of, I don't want to say technology, but like magic, I guess. Magic technology. Right yeah. Yeah. Um, although I believe that the Exalted you fight in the instance are technically forged exalted or like they, they've been at least corrupted by balthazar so i'm not totally sure the answer on that I, d- I did do something last night where they talked about forge being spirits bound to metal armor so i think it's just uh same same sort of technology for the most part 
magic yeah. technology. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I feel like I feel like that's sort of what I remember too. Now it's been you know six weeks or whatever since I did the story, so a little bit of it's hazy now. But because I, I think that the exalted that is there, that's sort of teaching you and explaining these things to you, um, mm-hmm. talks about that and. Um, Gosh, I wish I remembered it a little bit better. I need to really replay that mission. Uh, but actually, I, <laughs> I'm really glad that I played all of the story last night, or not all of it, but like the the later the end third of it. Just pure coincidence. So <laughs> that worked out really well. well. That's good. You can be you can be the expert, and I can just uh, shut up and listen more often. Uh, yeah, no, it, it was good. I I was actually kind of surprised to get the sort of more touching on the ex- on the uh exalted uh, i was happy yeah for it. i didn't expect to see them out here at all yeah uh i yeah i really liked that and i felt bad for the one that basically said it had to stay behind and was basically just like chilling um ah uh, you know what i haven't seen it all that i hoped i had i would see i don't know if there is details about this out there maybe somebody's found something um Related to the Exalted and Alona, one of the collections that we could do in Heart of Thorns rewarded an item called Herda. Oh, yeah. Um, and it's the head of an Exalted that sort of eats bloodstone dust. It is effectively like Madri or any other gobbler where it just eats some ascended stuff and then it gives you a bag that's full of junk and I hate them so much. But, you know, Herda was cool. Uh, Herda, if you don't know, was a hero, or not a hero, sorry, a henchman from Guild Wars 1. She has a paragon. Um, who was a sun spear, I believe. And so she was from this area of the world. And so I had really hoped that, uh, you know, we, we would have got some sort of a little bit of extra story to her, how she how she made it to the jungle or something. And I, I wonder if she had been in Kesho or something and, and had moved over to Tarir after Kesho uh, was kind of not not entirely successful. I'm curious about the timeline as well, when Tarir was built in relation to Kesho. Um, I think I believe it was built afterwards, but I couldn't I couldn't point to any specific thing that confirms that at the moment. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, I I I'm really fuzzy on the timeline. Uh, that's that's definitely an area that I haven't looked too closely into, and they don't really define it in strict terms. A lot of places in game, so yeah, easy to easy to miss. Just looking through... I'm trying to remember what that chapter was actually named. Uh, is it the way forward, or is it the one after that? Uh, no, it's not The Departing, because I, rem- I have words about The Departing. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, 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 it was The Way Forward. Okay, right. So, after that, uh, after that mission is a mission that is both really cool... And a lot of people really liked, and for me was really buggy and made me really mad, Aww. which is unfortunate. Uh, which is the departing, which is the one where you basically regather your posse to sort of catch everybody up and explain what you've learned. And Balthazar's like, "Surprise, mother effer, you dead," uh, <laughs> and kills you. Um, which was fine. I actually liked that fight a lot. Um, I thought the mechanics on it were pretty fun. Did you did you like that Balthazar fight? Yeah. Um I mean nothing nothing really stood out to me other than he had like like weird AoE patterns that were pretty cool. I haven't seen those anywhere else in the game. Uh 
Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I appreciate little things like that. Like it wasn't particularly um, difficult, but it was No. It had you like yeah, it had you watching him and watching the ground and lots of interesting patterns a lot. Yeah, which is Balthazar is very um dynamic. Like spectacle fighter. He's not you know, every time you encounter him in in battle, he's not particularly difficult, but boy does it look cool. <laughs> he throws fire everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I will say, I think that, if I'm recalling correctly, this was one of those bosses that I had expressed frustration over, especially with Eric, that every, like, 25% of his health, it would basically make him invincible and also purge all his conditions, which was Ugh. super annoying on a Condi build, because yeah. it felt it felt really, like, petty and pointless that, you know, it's like, well, it takes me a few, like, takes me a bit to get my condition stack up and running and it doesn't take the power dps as much it, again like it's not that it was hard but it just sort of irritated me to have it happen three times in that fight but aside from that i really like the mechanics on it um he kills you at the end and you basically find yourself in the mists slash underworld transition place uh, the domain of the lost yeah that's the one i really I really liked that map, um, although, ironically, even though I liked it, I was actually kind of irritated by the lack of a mini-map, um, because sometimes it got a little bit hard to tell, like, which way you were going or which way you had mm -hmm. been, um, but it was very, oh gosh, um, so, like, the, the whole gimmick on that map is that you've lost your memory, and you don't know who you are or what you did in your past life, and you're trying to sort of regain it, and... It was really funny because, like, one of the first things that happens is is uh, an NPC is like, oh, you know, like, you must have been important in your life, and, you know, maybe you can rediscover what your life was all about. And, like, right as I heard that, I was looking around the map, and I saw this huge thing that I could climb, and I'm like, ooh, I'm gonna go climb that! <laughs> and I was like, well, I guess I have, I guess I have my answer. Uh, but... It actually ended up causing me a little bit of irritation because then I sort of got uh, sidetracked and then I didn't know where I was supposed to go next because I'd yeah. sort of missed the breadcrumb. And mm -hmm. uh, yeah, that that took me a while before I found where I was supposed to go, mostly through entirely my own fault. But it was a fun map to climb around. Um, what did you think of that part of the instance? Uh, I really enjoyed it overall. I had a little bit of trouble also without the mini-map trying to find my weapons. Because you start without weapons as well, and so you have to rummage around through some crates and stuff. I'm pretty sure there was like a pile of gold with a sword embedded in it, and I was like, yeah, that's a weapon, okay, I'll just, you know, dig through there. No weapon. And then there was a crate next to it, and sure enough, the crate had a weapon, and I it took me a little bit to dig around and find that, which was unfortunate. Oh, what what really got me on that is that I had actually interacted with the proper crate before I had gotten to that point in the quest. Oh, no. And so it was like, yeah, there's nothing here. And so then when it was like, oh, you need to rummage around for your items, I was like, oh, well, I already rummaged through that crate. And so I literally tried every other crate, and I was like, what am I missing? And then I tried it again, and it's like, oh, hey, it's here. I'm like, okay, sure, fine, fine. Um, again, minor complaint though. I wasn't really that irritated, but it was kind of, it was a little bit odd, I suppose. But basically, yeah, you go, you go through this whole journey montage, uh, that's basically a brief summary of all of the events from 
the entire story of the game, which I thought yeah. was a really cool way of presenting it that was not a cutscene, but like kind of was. I really liked it. I thought it was a very smooth journey presentation reminder, you know, of sort of all the stuff that you've done. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, and you're following around a spirit raven, is that right? Yep. Which I'm sure you loved. Yes, very much so. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, but then basically, yeah, and so basically you find out you're, uh, normally you should die, but, you know, because Balthazar has perverted the natural order, basically, you can go back and be, you know, uh, the underworld's tax collector uh, or repo man to go and bring it back, uh, which I thought was cool. But the here's the part that really irritated me because of the bugginess was I my game crashed while doing this mission at this point in the mission three times and none of it is checkpointed, which means I had to start all the way back at that Balthazar fight mm -hmm. every time. And yeah, as cool as this mission is, doing this mission four times in a row without actually making any progress on it was not cool and i was i was super salty about it and i know that's not you know obviously that's not something that was a uh, design intent or you know it's a bug and you should expect that but boy boy did it make me wish that there was a little bit better checkpointing or breaking up of that story into multiple parts like they could have easily at the very least had had it be one of those things where the balthazar fight is like part one and then you can re-enter the instance of the underworld like from on that hilltop where you mm -hmm. ostensibly died um and then yeah uh, anyway but that's fine uh and then uh, yeah and so did you have any trouble with the last boss of this instance i did not but that was because the first time i played through uh i was with someone and so if you just have a betty everything is a lot easier actually i take that back um, if you go through this uh, instance with a friend, the second person gets turned into a little wisp that has three uh, absolutely trash skills. So I did nothing at all during that boss fight except channel a three-second skill that gave one might to Christian, but he did fine without okay. my help. What what class was he playing? Scourge. Okay, yeah. Uh, I've heard that... A lot of people had a lot of difficulty with it because it required some sort of precise interruption in order to prevent him from having massive health uh, ceiling, mm -hmm. which is interesting. I uh, it it has since been nerfed for the record. By the oh, way. has it? Yeah. Oh, okay. Because if you had to quit that instance to respec or something, uh, boy, I would have been salty about that just as much as had I been. Uh, <laughs> As, as the fact that I had to restart that instance anyway. Um, yeah, it was it was a pretty tight timing, and I imagine that a fair number of builds do not have adequate CC to be hitting that window. CC or fast enough activating CC, because it was a really short window that that you had to activate it in. Um, and some classes like have good CC, but not on that fast of an activation. Uh, so, yeah, interesting. I did not know that it has been nerfed. That's honestly probably good to hear. Uh, I think we've been 
pretty strong proponents that personal story shouldn't necessarily be the most difficult thing. Not that mm-hmm. it was that difficult, but it was potentially very tilting, I guess. It was it was an outlier compared to everything else. So nothing wrong with it being brought in line. Yeah. Yeah, cool. All right. Yeah. So anyway, overall, a very long singular instance. There's actually been quite a few of those in this expansion of very long instances. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I, I think are overall good, but sort of brings back into relief the desire to have a little bit better checkpointing. Um, but overall, very cool. A lot of cool things going for it. A good a good starter boss fight, a good a cool environment, a cool storytelling gimmick. Yeah, real cool mission. Uh, the next part, actually, I really enjoyed uh, mechanically you... Um, Go around and this is the one basically where you go around and impersonate uh, Joko's what do you call it? Like, right, lieutenant? because Joko's in the Domain of the Lost. Right, yeah. Not spoilers. Oh. That was in the mission we just talked about. By the way, yeah, how glad are you that we did not pull a freaking Ritlock and release him? <laughs> um, I'm pretty, I don't know, it felt it felt right for what we would do. Uh, I was kind of, I was, you know, when I saw him there, I was like, oh no, this is Guild Wars 1 all over again. <laughs> yeah. We're going to let him out so he gets us out of the underworld. And then our character was like, I'm a strong, independent commander that don't need no undead god. Um, so that was great. Oh, also, I love disrespecting him by emoting inappropriate things while he was giving <laughs> his long speech at the beginning. Uh, yeah, he was, he was pretty cool. I have to say, uh, you know, now that we've seen... Um, Joko in person and he was able to speak with us he was not voiced by Christopher Walken and this is upsetting to me so we need to uh, fix that as soon as possible yeah somebody needs to get on the fan patch like right mm-hmm. away uh, these these skeletons uh, <laughs> they're uh, they're not showing me the respect that I deserve <laughs> yeah, I don't know um Anyway, right. So, so the next mission, you go around and you impersonate Joko's uh, high priest or whatever, and basically just say like, "Yo, Joko totally told me this. Um, you know, why don't you guys just follow me around and do whatever I say?" Uh, I'm curious to know if this part of the story is any different if you sided with the Mordant Crescent in the beginning. Um, uh, not not noticeably so. I, this, this is the one I did last night. It was actually Joko siding with Joko, and then um, this mission through to the end is what I played yesterday. So I didn't I didn't really notice anything different. I wasn't playing very close attention because I was doing it for achievements, since I was I was tuned out a little bit during the dialogue. But nothing nothing major changed for sure. Okay, sure. So yeah, uh, I I found it actually quite fun. You sort of. Uh, I mean, it's yeah, it's gimmicky, but basically it's sort of the equivalent of, you know, uh, help me do whatever, and then I'll, you know, obey you, even though ostensibly I should be from the first, at, like, anyway. Uh, yeah. But it was, it was pretty fun, right? You do, like, a, you do a mount race, you do, um, you know, you do, like, some heart-type activities, but the actual sort of instance mission is I found quite fun actually where you basically become a undead army commander and you go and wrangle up some stray undead uh and you have a 
basically a different skill bar for micromanaging these, you know, hordes of undead guys you could get. Um, I I liked it a lot. I liked the achievements for it. I thought that they were pretty pretty easy overall, uh, except for really the hardest one was the one where you had to like kill X number of dudes with a single corpse explosion. Yeah. Um, that one was a pain. I had to do that instance several times to get that one because I kept accidentally killing a few of them and then having to start over. Yeah, exactly. But uh, aside from that, the the other ones are pretty easy. Um, you know, just having at least, what, 15 at once? Yep. Something like that. Um, yeah. Uh, I just, I thought it was a really fun mission. I thought it was a really flavorful, unique mechanic for a mission. Uh, and you could have practiced that or did practice that uh, with a heart before you went in there. So you basically already knew how to do it. Um, pro tip, if anybody is struggling with it, you can, like, once they die, they go back to their original spawn locations. So you can just, like, backtrack and reacquire a whole bunch of them. Uh, you don't have to be completely perfect. So, um, yeah, I, just, I, I thought that was a really fun mission. Yeah, uh, yeah. I liked uh, I liked how controlling the minions felt. It really felt like a minion master, and I'm sure Eric was losing his mind over it. Yeah. Um, just in case you need the mental image of Eric being super excited about something. Let's be honest, he probably has some crackpot theory about like how the power from Guild Wars 1 necromancers who could have more than, you know, 10 minions were, you know, absconded by Joko and his minions, and that you're, mm-hmm. you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't I don't buy that quantity of tinfoil on a regular basis. <laughs> uh I'm trying to remember basically the next two missions are the are, like are the end, right? I mean, it, they were sort of back to back. Um yeah. where basically you chase down this giant giant turbo forged and then also and then at the end you fight Balthazar. Um did you like this mission? Yes, it, yes. Um, the hesitation is just kind of, it felt quite sudden. If there's if there any part of the story that I was going to critique for being rushed, I think it's these last couple missions. Yeah. Um, where it felt really well paced for the first sort of three quarters, and then all of a sudden things came to a head very quickly. Uh, so I think, yeah, I guess that's my my real criticism of it. The... You start at the instance by talking to the to the generals and everything, and Ritlock goes, "Hey, uh, I finally realized what you know what Cormier was telling us, which is what we've, we've had the power to do this all along, and gives you Sohothan, which is it sort of came out of left field for me. I, I, I get his logic behind it, um, but considering how possessive he's been of it the whole time, just for him to hand it over to us was kind of strange um, to me, anyway. I mean." I don't think it was completely ridiculous. Just I wasn't expecting it or anything. Um, and then you sort of ally. Well, you, you already allied with Joko's armies. You you group up with them and and fight the forged. And then all of a sudden, this big monster comes crawling over the hill. Giant, 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 giant. Not elder dragon giant, but giant uh, scorpion tank. <laughs> which completely sort of you know looking back at it now i'm like oh yeah i can see how they were they were setting this up i saw the parts of this in the 
in Glint's lair and, you know, talking about the weapons they're making and these big armored pieces, the footprints at Glint's lair. I can see it now looking back, but at the time, what the heck is, where did that come from? How did he have one of those? Yeah. Why have I seen one of those before? Um, yeah, so that, because that also one. was a little bit jarring to me. Yeah. Uh, I Well, I think I sort of just accepted it because pretty much as we'd been going, there was sort of uh, enemy, like bad guy inflation uh, going on sure. the whole time. Yep. <laughs> so it's like, enough. yeah, of course he has a giant scorpion tank, uh, whatever. Um, but yeah, I, I did think that the handing over Sahothan was a little bit, maybe not weird, but I, I do, I do think it's odd that these artifacts that are dating back to Guild Wars 1, like on the one hand, it's really nice to see them, but on the other hand, they're sort of weird MacGuffins, like... They're never, they've never really been defined what they can do, and I really never would have said that Prince Rurik was using a sword that's a god killer. Because mm. um, that's, that's where it's from. Uh, I, you know, I did look it up, and Sahothan and its uh, sister sword are ancient Orient artifact, artifacts back from the time of the gods. So, I mean, I guess, you know real old magic thing yeah. is pretty good um, but i read a bit too because don't forget that sahathan was extinguished when ritlock went into the mist and balthazar himself powered it up that's so true there's a little bit of uh turning his power on back on him that's true okay yeah that's fair i mean that's a good thematic uh draw so to speak yeah i mean that's and that's a fairly standard staple right of, of yep. you can't protect yourself from yourself uh so I guess that's true. I guess the fact that he uh, lit it back up is is fair, but uh, yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, it it was a uh, it was a fine mission. Uh, this is just talking about the one with the the giant beast, right? We can talk about the Balthazar yeah, part separately. Um, yeah, it's got the whole run up as well, where you kind of you have to chase it through all the pylons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, pretty fun. Not uh, nothing really too uh exciting really happening i mean in, in the sense of like there's no real big story beats there's no big you know sacrifices death self self-sacrifice right you, you're kind of just like fighting a lot of dudes which is fine um i did not find it particularly difficult which again is fine i don't necessarily want it to be uh super difficult uh i, I thought it was a pretty good difficulty for a lead up to last mission mm-hmm yeah, I think the most exciting part for me is uh, looking up and seeing a big old face sticking out of the brand. Yeah, yeah. Um, that is something that is something of a criticism I'll have for it because the fight, I felt like, demanded a moderate amount of attention, but there felt like there was a lot of cool visual storytelling going on on the opposite direction from it. Yeah. That, um, yeah, like, I wanted to be, like, looking at Krakatoric and what was going on, but, like, also dodging exploding circles for my life. Yeah, I didn't quite catch it until the second time. I mean, I, I saw Krakatoric in the sky the first time I did it, uh, this, but I didn't see it until I was up on the platform with the Warbies, whereas um, the second time when I did it last night... Uh, my character came around the corner and then saw the whole 
uh, I don't actually know what it's called. I think the point of interest up there is King Joko's Sky Garden. It's like a very tall uh, building over in Kadash, and it's got the big torches on it. And you come around the corner, and if you have your camera aimed the right way, you can see the war beast and Balthazar up there, and he's channeling the the thing on Kral Gatorik, and he's roaring, and your character goes, oh. Um, and, you know, it is this really cool moment. If your camera's panned the right way, if your camera's not panned the right way, you come around the corner and there's there's a pylon and a bunch of branded punching you in the face. And that was not as interesting the first time. But I was like, yeah, damn, that's such a cool view. Yeah. Uh, and I wish I had I had been able to appreciate that the first time. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, the, the camera thing, it's a tough thing because I don't, they can't, if they take away camera control, it becomes a cutscene, so, yep. so to speak. And I yep. think that they have engine issues with doing that like mid mid fight and they don't want to just you know take that away from you uh so but then it's like if you yeah if you if you miss it then you know well then you missed it Um, yeah i think i think they could have just done a little bit better of like uh look up or something you know just uh oh look over there (laughs) yeah just you know just get your attention a little bit more as opposed to like oh which you know makes sense it but it didn't necessarily make me sure what to focus on so yeah um i mean that it was pretty much my verbal reaction when i saw it was oh oh yeah uh but still the scale of it was pretty cool like i it was it was cool yeah, to absolutely. have these giant monster giant like god uh giant dragon you know sort of all interacting with each other all part of your fight so yeah that was that was all cool um I'm honestly kind of forgetting some of the details of the boss fight. I don't think I ever had to retry it, or I don't think I died. Um, uh, the War Beast it kind of just has a series of mines that it throws at you, and it can light up one of the platforms, or like half of the platform it can turn bad. Every 25%, it gets um, a bunch of the pylons that you've been killing this far, and uh, you know it goes invulnerable while you kill the pylons. It's not particularly difficult but i i have died a lot to it um because it's just kind of hard to get your health back it has a lot of adds up it has a lot of aoe that you can't necessarily easily dodge yeah um and then the, it also has a like a belly slam yeah i was so gonna say I, think... while, I would be underneath it and it would just instantly down me like, well okay i guess i'm done and yeah. it, it just respawns you in the fight. You don't even have to, like, it doesn't reset or anything. So it, it, there's minimal punishment for failing it. I just kind of face tanked everything. I think you're right. I think that that also happened to me with uh, getting belly slammed. Although, did that just down you or did that kill you? Uh, It downed you, but then he was likely to do it again, which would kill you. Yeah, well, I, felt, I, I think I was probably cheating in the sense that I was playing a necromancer, and so I get that sure. extra health regen <laughs> when I'm dead. Uh, that makes it a lot easier to get back up from the down state. So, uh, yeah. But anyway, yeah. It, it was a pretty fine boss fight, except for the um, sort of insta-kill mechanic, which, but whatever. Uh, speaking of insta-kill mechanics, uh, mm-hmm. let's talk about the Balthazar boss fight, because I also got real salty about something at the very end of the fight, uh, which oh, I'll no. explain in a second. Um, overall, how did you like the, the Balthazar fight? I think Balthazar was the best end fight of, an, of a story chapter that we've had. Um, he was pretty well 
design and balance all around, had interesting abilities, uh, made me feel like I had to move and like I had to do things, but wasn't overly difficult, was very spectacular in terms of how, holy crap, how much fire was on my screen. Uh, definitely felt like a god of war, looked appropriate, you know, he wasn't a potato when he was actually the whole jungle. <laughs> and so... Uh, yeah, over around, uh, all around high marks for me. That's funny. Um, have you done it without, uh, without Sohofen? Yep. And how, how difficult was that with regard to damage? Um, I actually found that it was easier, and I think I worked out the reason last night is that because, uh, Sohofen can't crit, if you have, like, power gear or something, you, it's, it might even be a little bit easier to do it with your normal weapons. Yeah, I was also wondering how much your, how much your gear it. impacted it because I, I definitely had Condi gear on, so uh, it could be that that fight felt longer than it should have if like your gear does factor into it at all. Um, I have not had a chance to try it without, uh, without you know, without using the sword. Uh, I did <laughs> actually. That was actually my first uh, um, reaction. Um, was like. Oh god, can I just not fight with this? But then I'd already started, uh, and then I realized that there was an achievement for it, uh, <laughs> like after I'd started. So uh, I I do like that you can do it without it, and and that there's an achievement for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, uh, the I also thought it was quite well designed in general, uh, and I I liked it quite a bit. I thought it was mostly pretty easy, although it felt like it was taking a little bit too long. Again, that might be gear base, or it might just sort of be how the fight is balanced um, around the sword. Uh, I haven't haven't tested that, but it, yeah, was was not uh, not too difficult. But one of the so during part of the fight, you tag team with Orin, right? And mm-hmm. you have to do it in a certain amount of time, or else he insta jibs you. And uh, it turns out that you can't do that while one of those pylons that makes him invisible invincible is up and you know the things i'm talking about yes vaguely. yeah so because he, he like spawns them and if you don't kill those things then like you can't hurt him like he, he just mm-hmm. like blocks everything or whatever uh so you can't do the tag team while that happens and what what happened to me is that i like got him down to clearly what was the like end of the fight where it like scripted your last you know your like last attack with yeah. him that you combo with Orin. And one of those flipping pylons spawned literally like right as I was getting into the circle to do it. To do the like mm-hmm. combo attack. And I like I didn't know why it wasn't working. And I figured incorrectly that it was just like part of the scripting for the last, like the final blow that it would like act differently. Yeah. So I got insta killed at the last second because it just, I just <sighs> waited long enough. And so I lost that achievement after what I felt like was quite a long fight. Uh, and I had perfectly done the whole fight up to that point. And I was so, like, I'm not that mad because I don't actually give a hoot about achievement points, but, like, what? <laughs> mm, mm, I'm a little mad. 
<laughs> yeah, fair enough. But uh, but aside from that, it was uh, it was a good fight, and I definitely agree with your assessment that it was the best last boss fight of uh, any of the any of the main content for sure. Probably any of the living story as well. Although I'd be a little bit harder pressed to make that claim because I'd have to really go back and look at you know living story chapter bosses because there have been some pretty good bosses in living story oh, i don't i don't have any any i think it's the best best boss out of all the stories in my opinion okay all around i don't know i i don't know that i'd say it's the best mechanically i don't know if i could say that off the top, top of my head but definitely all around presentation execution yeah absolutely best okay bold claim bold claim uh i will i will at least uh nod my head that that's definitely in the running for me if not if not absolutely up there i mostly am just attributing it to my uh, faulty aging memory as a not actually old person but uh yeah no it was good um uh, yeah so then yeah basically after that we get our last little instance where we um have a literal party and uh you know, talk to talk to NPCs from along the journey if we want, and uh, you know, just. Uh, I really appreciated that whole epilogue instance. I love when they have epilogues in Guild Wars. They they always do a really good job of sort of bringing back a lot of the characters, having little Easter eggs and stuff. Um, they meant a bit more in Guild Wars because you would get. Um, like, there were special weapons that you could only get if you finished each story campaign, which I kind of miss. They did that with the core story, but we haven't had that since, um, which is whatever, but they, they still do a good job of executing the epilogues. This one stood out... Oh, first of all, I have to say that if you interact with every table in the epilogue instance, they are all different. They all have different foods on them, and they describe them differently, and there's like three or four different things that you can eat, and your character will react in different ways, to depending on how you eat things. Uh, I, I know I did spend quite a bit of time at the pie table on my playthrough. I mean, like you do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there was a dancing achievement for going and dancing with some people. There's there one were... for talking to every NPC, or every yeah. like important NPC. There were all the mount, like the ranchers that you got your mounts from outside, and they were having a debate about whose mount was best. And it was, like, really heated until the little kid was like, yeah, but the Springer's the cutest. And everyone's like, fine. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. I miss that. Uh, I, I do Did love you? when they put in, like, those little, like, side NPC conversations that are completely, quote, pointless, you know? But yeah. are, oh my god, I just Springer spiraled off of a cliff. Um, no! Like you do. It's fine. Um uh, Anyway, sorry, you were starting to ask me, did I... Uh, how did you conduct yourself for the speech? What is your canon speech playthrough? So, can you remind me what the three tones are? Because I remember that there were three tones. It was, or, or was it just two? No, it was three. Upbeat, vague, and somber. Right, okay. Upbeat, vague, and somber. Um, I was a mix of upbeat and vague, which is, I would say... Uh, similar to my mass effect style i was gonna say this whole this whole section very much reminded me of mass effect like commander you know give my give our rally speech before our final mission and you know you're 
you're picking between like we must save the galaxy and help all of our friends and like yeah we're gonna kick these some bitches like to yeah. next tuesday um it felt like it felt to me like the um somber slash pessimistic is just plain terrible uh like speechcraft that's not that is not the way that you have a celebratory feast kickoff uh it's not a bad thing to have that kind of speeching but uh there's a time and a place commander so get with it um (laughs) uh, how about you yeah uh my my quote canon playthrough i think was vague vague upbeat I think that was my first one. Yeah, I, I hit think him I... with the triple somber last night, and that was rough. Ooh. Oh, Ooh, yeah. that was rough. Yeah, yeah I, it was I my... I think I was upbeat, vague upbeat. So I did, like, a sandwich, except I was never somber. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah. Tell me a tale yeah. of the of the uber somber. Uh, I actually really liked it. You know, I thought, I thought it was going to be, um, like, hard to listen to, but I thought it was a well written speech and it sounded very appropriate coming from my char um so this is my char warrior uh character she's very gruff like old looking um down to business um she also sided with joko which i thought was interesting yeah so it's like all these things kind of adding up and i'm like yeah this is actually pretty much makes sense with my character and also having the knowledge of what comes next uh, which is that the ending, you know, the ending cutscene of Path of Fire is Kralkatoric flying over Bobby and creating a, you know, more brand and directly threatening at noon since there's the lightning storm over the over the city. I felt uh, vindicated in my choice to have warned people as opposed to just being like, yeah, everything's going to be great. And then there's a the lightning storm. But like, let's be honest, there wasn't enough time for that warning to have done anything sure you were pretty much just a downer and then you were vindicated yeah uh yeah it was it was pretty rough too life sucks and uh, everyone's gonna die a bunch of people died the, see were the npcs like confused when you were done with yours uh you mean because i didn't react to you because i didn't choose the same like path or so so for example when i when i finished there was no cheering or anything the uh the city councilor who is running the shindig was like uh nobody is hungry now all of this food is going to go to waste literally this is a, this is a quote from this game please take take some hummus when you go oh but hummus is awful well first of all you're incorrect and also you're wrong again and second, look, hummus uh, tastes like armpits. No, no and toes. No, <laughs> no. It's you need the, better hummus if you think it tastes like armpits. It's the grossest. I'm also a super picky eater, though, so whatever. Sure, fair enough. Uh, yeah. So she made me take some hummus, and then as I was leaving, someone was like, "You suck." <laughs> um, and it was just like really mean to me. And then another person said, "Oh, I don't." You know, I don't care what happened, Commander. You'll always be a hero to me. Amazing. random guy. Amazing. I think, I'm pretty sure on my first playthrough, the NPCs said other stuff to me, but I can't remember what it was. I'm actually going to do a third playthrough uh, soon with Amnoon Independence, and I'm going to go all upbeat for that one, see how that one turns out, whether people like me or not. What was your first playthrough's uh, choice? Were you Sunspears? 
Yeah, uh, I think I probably would have gone Amnoon if it was just me, but Christian wanted to go with the Sun Spears, and I wasn't gonna, I wasn't gonna pitch a fit and then like start over the instance to get uh, right. that because I didn't care that much. Yeah, yeah, I definitely but, went yeah. with Amnoon. Yeah, because you were gone for that episode when Eric and I were talking about it. Yeah, because I definitely went uh, Amnoon Independence, and I, I think that the mostly upbeat with a hint of vague was. Uh, uplifting i believe they did cheer yeah they like me i'm a okay yeah no no one no one has liked me thus far so i have to go full upbeat if i want to get cheers i guess i was too i was too 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 somber hilarious um also we didn't talk about it what happened with orin in the end of the balthazar fight instance like did she eat up some of that power is that oh yeah yeah absolutely um i think the clearest indication of that is that she grows very rapidly mm. the the final bit of the final cut scene um is that she has matured you can tell her her wings are bigger her snout is longer she's kind of uh if i had to hazard a guess of which model she's worked on i would say it's probably the griffin model oh, okay uh, for reasons that you know I think a lot of people have speculated on already. Ah, uh, I see. Um, uh, would yeah. they? <laughs> would those reasons start with the word black and end with company or jest? <laughs> uh, I think actually more people are speculating that she'll become, you know, a closer companion to us during season four. Um, and so, part of the advantage of in you know in us having a mount that's structured very similar to Irene is that you know we can do those story instances where she is effectively another skin for the griffin sure right and then they can just sort of do that without having to do anything extra mm -hmm. yeah. i'm really curious actually if they will require the griffin for for things like that or if it's just um i, I don't think so i think that they'll just since the tech exists they'll just give it to you for that instance yeah probably yeah I, I I would assume. I don't think yeah, that. I would hope so. God. God oh no! I, I'm really not even hope that they don't gate there's, it behind there's the There's no Griffin way. Story. There's no way they're gonna gate any actual story content behind a 250 sure. gold sink. Like, no way. There's there's no <laughs> way. Speaking of uh, horrifying characters built onto the mount models, have you seen any of the Destiny's orphans mounts? <laughs> yeah. Did horrifying see... is the correct answer <laughs> yeah did you see the halloween timey choya oh yeah of course it's excellent it's good, the good, worst good, good, good. yeah so if you need to inflict nightmares upon yourself i highly recommend looking up night of the timey on youtube somebody has replaced all the choya faces with timey heads and it looks about as horrifying as you'd expect yeah exactly yeah pretty much um yeah uh alrighty. Well uh yeah, no, it's it's uh truly horrifying. Oh boy. Um yeah, overall, very strong, very strong conclusion to the um to the story, I think, uh on the whole. Um mm -hmm. and uh yeah, it's good. I actually have to wrap it up a little bit early tonight, but it's still been an almost an hour long episode, so I guess it's not really that early. But uh was there anything else you wanted to get in on this episode before we sign out, or are we cool? I'm having a thing. I do have a cast cast that we should do. Oh boy, uh, as we've established, I'm not good at those anymore. 
That's fine. Um, you can still say it though. Sure. Uh, hello and cast, cast. Hello and welcome to Cast Cast the podcast, but the cast for the podcast and style cast for the podcast this week on Cast Cast. Uh, Extra play is um, going on momentarily. I believe I will be able to get this episode edited in time for that. Uh, if not, well, sorry, I guess you missed it or found it on your own. But it's a charity donation stream, and ArenaNet is streaming all Saturday. The what? That would be four, I believe. Um, with a whole bunch of donation links, and I believe they are matching donations as well, and uh, some prize giveaways. So, uh, yeah, I actually saw. For those who are interested, Ruby tweeted that they have three collectors editions of prophecies that they're going to be given away which is like that that is a that is a big deal i think those are quite hard to find these days so if that's your thing definitely go look at what they're giving away and you know go check it out because it's a great event great cause anyway <laughs> but just i for some reason i am reminded of uh, my wife um <laughs> and i booted up old guild wars uh, a, a while ago and she was like, how do I access my storage? I'm like, Zoom Light Trader Agent. And she's like, what do you mean I need 25 gold for that? And I'm like, honey, gold is the lowest denomination of currency in Guild Wars 1. <laughs> and she's like, oh, yeah. Uh, I, just a little funny tidbit. I found that hilarious. Um, I know that at least one person, uh, Elizabeth, is going to be streaming Guild Wars uh, Guild Wars 1 of some form uh, for the extra play stream so uh, if you uh, are curious of that uh, check that out for sure but uh, anyway uh, hopefully I will get this edited in time for any of you first day listeners to hear this message (laughs) but aside from that thank you for tuning in and we will be back probably next week to talk more about maps and events and builds and all sorts of other things of mounts and whatever so uh, and thank you for joining me this week again spirit this has been another episode of relics of war if you want to get in touch with us you can check out our website and forums at relics email us at relics at gmail.com or find us on your favorite social media site just by searching relics of orr if you'd like to join us in-game, you can send a whisper or in-game mail to Spiritface, or drop us a note on Twitter or our website and say hi. Lastly, if you listen to the podcast on iTunes, feel free to leave us a comment and the rating you feel we deserve.